Okay, I hear something in my ears twirling. Well, that is us. We are connecting now, Pastor Vicky. I hope so. It's been a long time coming. So we can Yes, ma'am. All right. Go ahead. So I want to say, first of all, thank you so much for the invite. I am definitely humbly grateful and thankful that God laid you on my heart. I always uh, respect and appreciate a time to share in God's word. My name is, again, is Pastor Vicki uh, Taylor Samuels. The name of my church is the Word of Grace Church, and we are located at 14205 East 12 Mile in Warren, Michigan, inside a, another apostolic church that we are blessed to be able to lease from until God opens the door for us to come out of there. So we're, we are in the chapel of a church called the Nation's Church, but our church name is the Word of Grace Church. Okay, wonderful. And uh, of course, uh, uh, I want to say to our listeners around the world that that Warren area is in the Detroit area. I don't need to say much more. Everyone knows about Detroit, so for whatever reasons. But that is a suburb of Detroit. But at any rate, the most important thing that's going on right now is that um, we focus on this word of God. So we are going to jump into this lesson. Grab your pens, papers. Let's look at this topic, Chiefest of Sinners. So I'm going to open it up and then Pastor Vicki, just feel free to jump in. We have a lot of information to cover in these few short verses. And um, we got a little bit of time ahead of us. All right, so I'm going to go ahead with the um, book of Timothy. And uh, we'll just talk about that a little bit. And then we'll go into the meat of the lesson. So this is Paul. Paul is talking to Timothy, his son in the gospel, you know that, and this was probably after Paul's first imprisonment, and he had found, after he came out, that there were false teachers that were out there, which is, was a problem for the churches at those days, there were still Judaizers, um, but there were also some that worshipped angels, and then there were others that told you, that I think they called them Gnosticism, you had to be able to discover some kind of hidden knowledge, so they had all kinds of rules and all kinds of stipulations 
according to them that you really needed to do to be authentic as a uh, Christian or, you know, a child of God. And it was really just a sidetrack, you know, to take you off of the real issue, which is, you know, the whole purpose person of Jesus Christ himself. So he's teaching a young a young pastor. So all you young pastors that are out there, this word is still good. He's letting them know, first of all, in verse number, uh, chapter one, verses, just verse 15, uh, chapter one of First Timothy, he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to save sinners. And then he's transparent and he's open with him and he says, of whom I myself am the chief. And again, I wanted to say how many of us would lift our hands or openly admit that I was the chiefest of sinners. If you don't have pride, if you don't have a reputation to uphold or want people to have a certain image of you, then maybe you wouldn't do it. But Paul, an authentic man of God, yeah, you know, it's it's inter- interesting how Paul was able to look back and reflect on where God had brought him from and the fact that God had shown him grace. He is one of the apostles that God gave the knowledge and understanding of what the grace of God truly meant and how wonderful God to do that because he took Paul from one spectrum on one end he was the most violent aggressor that was walking the earth when you say the chiefest of you know sinners somebody listening may say well what does that mean aren't we all sinners yes we are all sinners and all of us are chiefest of sinners because we are all born in sin and shaping in iniquity but because Paul was looked at by God as a violent aggressor because he literally persecuted the church. You know, Paul went after the church people and he was killing them like he was just driven by contempt for anybody that, you know, professed Jesus Christ. So the fact that God took that character of contentment for the church people, now on the other end of the spectrum, when God reveals to him the grace of God, when he knocked him off the donkey, you know, on the road to Damascus and and began to deal with Paul and, and show Paul who he was, now he would become the chiefest of the apostles and the saints. <laughs> most definitely but when it but what god wanted him to know is all that you have in the natural i gave that to you <laughs> so what did he have in the natural 
Well, you know, he studied with the best of the best. And, and Paul had all the talents that anybody could ask to have, you know, in terms of being creative with his hand, his mind, the way he thought, all that he knew, the, the uh, his heritage. I mean, this dude was, this dude was royal. This dude was He was, yep. He was. Yes. 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 Yes, he did. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the Bible tells us that God didn't always choose the noble. You know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so I think that Paul is a very good choice of example for us that when he did the fact that he chose Paul, who was so draped in accomplishments uh, secularly, um, God would show him how it's not what you have profited in the world that counts, but it's what I have called you to do. And that is, you know, receive of my grace, grace upon grace, uh, from faith to faith. And so that's why I love Paul, because again, he can, he can, he can reach those that are of the secular higher accomplishment but then he also understands those of low estate as well because Paul had that ability of understanding he had that gift of knowledge and understanding and the, and so God takes that same passion and uses it for him for the glory of God and so that's what I love from one end of the scope to the next it's like saying from rags to riches because the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. So even though he was draped with all of what he had, as you listed so eloquently, it didn't mean anything when it came to God. God was looking at Paul's heart and in Paul's heart, it was desperately wicked. And that's why he was a violent aggressor. And so I want to be this, I want to be right off of what you said from uh, the book of, you, you alluded to it, Right. After that, the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, 
knew not God. But it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. But the Jews required a sign, the Greeks required wisdom, and but we preach Christ crucified. So it wasn't all of their credentials that did it. Because God said, I will take the foolish yes. and I'll bring down the wise. Yeah. And I take things that are not and I'll bring to nothing. I'll bring them down to nothing. Exactly. So, so that is a word of uh, encouragement to those that feel, well, I'm not worthy to preach the gospel, and nobody's worthy. Right. Issues. But when their heart is in the right place, he works with that. Yes. Yes. Well, God, and God, it's interesting you brought that up because right now the Lord has me on a subject called Matters of the Heart. God is the one that makes the heart right. That's why he said in Jeremiah, you know, 17, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it but God? So God knew his heart was desperately wicked. And it would take God to show Paul his need for him, just as it takes God to show us our need for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was no doubt that um, they knew his background. And I, I wanted to turn to it real quickly, as you had kind of enumerated in Philippians, uh, the third chapter is where you will find that, uh, you know, Paul's, re- Paul's accomplishments, who he was. And so the people knowing this, knowing how famous he was, they were fearful of him. Yeah. So for now, this one this one person who was driven by violence and hatred to the fact that he killed people for, you know, the sake of them being worshipers of Christ. How is it possible that he has turned and flipped the script and now he is talking to us about Jesus, those he sought out to kill. Now he want to bless them. <laughs> so, so Paul, so Paul was telling Timothy, he said, man, it ain't no goodness of my own because of God's grace. I obtained, I was granted, I was given, I was gifted mercy. God had pity on him, meaning God's heart went out to him as it has gone out to us and as it will go out to those who are listening. God said, I will work the will in you both to will and to do. So when he knocked him off, yeah. So when he knocked him off, you know, knocked him on down off the donkey on the road to Damascus, guess what? God prepared his heart for that. He didn't prepare his heart right then and there. The Bible says, He chose us before him, in him, before the foundation of the world. So what happened is God, 
Paul was in the foreknowledge of God, which meant God had an interest in him, whom he foreknow he did predestinate. So God set his boundaries of how long he would be able to go and be a violent aggressor. And then the word says, whom he predestinated, he called. There was an appointed time that God would bring Paul forth. God would bring him, go after him and, and knock him off that road. So the appointed time came when he was called. And when he called him, God said, Paul, I've already justified you. I've already counted you not guilty of the things that you have done. Therefore, I'm going to glorify myself in you. And that's exactly what he means by I obtained all of this. I obtained all of this. <laughs> so let's go back and pick up some of the things that he did as far as oh, powerful. Cheapest. I looked that word up. And cheapest um, kind of means the most, um, at, the most extreme. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, it would be the most ruthless. Yes. Um, violence. You know, the things he did were just concerning humanity, just um, black-hearted and, and you know in you know no empathy whatsoever so what did he do he, he went about because Paul knew the law and because he knew the law he knew how far he could go so he was the bible says he took letters right mm -hmm. and so those letters would be the equivalent of like search warrants arrest warrants um he not only went in through the streets and found them he went into the synagogues mm -hmm. and he had them arrested he went into their homes and it wasn't just the men it was men women and children anybody that was professing christ you see how this is making him the chiefest of sinners because he was just wreaking the scripture says wreaking havoc but he knew the law with all of his intellect and knowledge he knew mm -hmm. how to go about and he used everything he knew in his power, in his might, to go out after the saints and to bring them down. So he is the cheapest of sinners. Yeah, well, the fact that he had Roman connection too. They weren't really going to, you know, do anything to him. But I think what what I what I love about this is God uh, brings to my mind how uh, it doesn't matter how low or how bad you think you are. Here is the deal. I believe that Paul's picture is symbolic for those that feel they that God is unreachable, that God cannot touch where they are or bring them from where they are. But what God shows us through Paul is it doesn't matter if you are listed as the worst murderer in the world or the worst, you know, liar, cheater, whatever. He says, first of all, there's no degree of sin. All have sinned and come short of God's glory. So no matter where you are, if you make your bed in hell, I can bring you from there. If you make your bed, you know, above the earth, I, I'm there. Yeah. In the heavens, I'm there. Yes. So he can, he can take care and save you, no matter who you are and where you are in your life. And no matter at what time, if God has chosen you to be saved, trust and believe you can be the number one person on America's most wanted. If God has, cho has chosen you to be saved, baby, you're going to be saved. I was listening, I was thinking this was years ago. I, I don't want to use current names because that could be, but 
distraction, but I was thinking years ago, years ago, when everybody just wanted Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden. Again, this is going around the world, so I have to really use wisdom. But because so many people's lives were just, people were mutilated, and, you know, they just were treated so inhumanely. And so I'm thinking, how long do, do, do people like this get to walk upon the face of the earth? Now, you take the things that you know about them, and you would say probably in your heart, why does God allow this? You know, because it's not his will that any should perish, but that all that come to repentance. And then he said in his word that I take no pleasure in the death of them that die. Right. So, even Paul in his day, but Paul is wanting us to look at him and say, now look, you know the things I did. You know the reputation I had. When they heard I was coming to town, they hid. They went somewhere. They banished, you know, right. themselves because I had that reputation as being the chief of sinners. But now I'm telling you that God came to save sinners, and that's that. So whatever you get coming across that church uh, threshold there in, in Ephesus, you know, whether they worship the goddess Diana, mm -hmm. whether they were idolaters, whether they were um, uh, adultery and adultery, whether they were fornication, whether they were murder, um, um, whatever they were doing, they're sinners, I came to save them. So now we can look at the book of Acts if you're ready to go there. Sure. Okay, okay. So when we get to Acts, um, you know, this is the model of the church. I see a whole lot of different things. People are going a lot of different directions to, you know, bring people in. But uh, the book of Acts is left on record, and I think it's going to be a testimony against uh, us if we don't follow it. Just like the Queen of the South was going to be a testimony against many that uh, she was going to rise up and be a testimony in the end against many people that took the wisdom of Solomon and, you know, our heart was touched. Well, this is the model that he gave for the church in the book of Acts. So uh, if you look at that from the beginning, you'll find out that they did everything by the leading and the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Yes. But Paul, in chapter um, number 7, says in verse number 54, um, when they heard these things, they were cut to their hearts. So what things did they hear? That was the preaching that came from Stephen. Right. Okay, so if you read that that sermon, they had asked Stephen, you know, what he was preaching and teaching because he wasn't a deacon at, um, as far as, you know, what, what we're thinking at that particular juncture. But what they did say about him in chapter number six, if you back up to uh, Romans chapter number six, you will find that... He was a man, the testimony in verse number six and verse eight, it says, Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost and power, did great work, wonders, and miracles among the people. Mm -hmm. so we're just thinking this is just, you know, a good man that was full of words, that was humble meek, and, you know, he stepped up. And for that, he got stoned to death. He, no, he was working miracles. Yes, and just just a point of correction, lovingly, you said Romans the sixth chapter. You oh, meant right. Acts, yeah. <laughs> so you so so the listeners will know that you are reading from Acts six and eight. Six and eight of Acts, correct. And he said, and did signs and wonders, and then uh, then it says in there about certain um, the synagogue, which is called of uh, the Libertines and the Cyrenians and. Uh, 
they asked me even this question about, you know, wisdom and the teaching and everything he was doing. And when you go through it, pretty much, he gives a real long answer. They ask him a question, and his answer goes all the way through the seventh chapter of Acts. And he just swept right through the Old Testament. Yes, he did. He swept through it and gave all those examples of what the Jews had been like or what the people had been like for years. And he said they always would turn their their notes up at God. They would always rebel. They would, you know, they would go back into apostasy. He would raise them up in power. He would bless them. And they turn their backs and they disobey them. And and so he said they were stiff-necked and hard-hearted, just like you are. And that set them off. Exactly. Because I think that for the most part, man, um, the problem with man has always been that he's wanted to glory, be glorified as uh, a little God, lowercase g. Man has always tried to be God, period. That's why they tried to build that tower, you know, higher than God. And God had to confuse uh, the people by splitting the tongues, you know. And so I think it's a wonderful uh, display to show us first of all sometimes it's really good to find out what the name of a person means because in the bible these names have meanings that explain their character and a lot of times what god purposed in their life and when you look up the name stephen you will find that it means crowned and so god crowned him to come he received a crown in eternity but it works out in time to show us how he would be the one to show such courage and he would be the one to communicate the gospel to the people and in spite of knowing that they probably would kill him he didn't care he was bold for christ he had a boldness that god gave him and he let them have it (laughs) he let them have it and i mean he covered it from beginning to end and you know what? If people can't take it. You know, there's going to be a problem. Now, these men, they demanded, they demanded respect. They demanded, you know, um, like you said, people want to be gods. They want that recognition. They want honor bestowed upon them. Well, and yeah, so- because man doesn't want. I mean, okay, so let's think about it. You're, you are a very educated woman, and you're beautiful, and you know your personality is just wonderful. I mean, it would. You know, it would hurt you if someone came up and said to you, all of that means nothing, Valerie, you know, the way they would say it, you know. And so my point is that nobody, myself and whoever else, we don't want to hear that all that we've worked for and achieved, you just going to try to tell me. You know, I ain't nothing. nothing. Right. So that was the attitude of those people. They were like, dude, do you know who you're talking to? You know, we're we're the libertines. Exactly. We we are people of talent and ability. You know, we are Greeks and we are, you know, we got philosophy uh, degrees here. You know, we can we know how to speak in certain languages and you want to come and tell us what? <laughs> Yeah. Because you'll see people will blow up. They'll get out of character when pride steps up. They will scream. They will talk. They will. Oh my God! They raise their voice. Their nostrils will flare. They get enraged, infuriated. It's 
something about it. When pride is, um, you push the wrong button and, and pride and manifests in anger, it's ugly. But this time it went to a complete extreme to the point where it says that when they heard this, they were cut. Yeah. Point. Yeah, because, you know, they were, again, no shade to anybody, but according to history, you know, they were Hellenistic Jews some of these people you know what i mean and so just like the samaritans even though the samaritans were jews the jews did not like them because they came from exactly exactly so here we are you know it's funny because it's like we as black people in, in any other race i was saying this the other night in bible class excuse me that how we sound oh i don't like those black people over there but you black Oh, I don't like, you know, I don't like white people that come from that side of town, but you white, you know. I don't like those things. I don't like those, yeah. I mean, how how do we sound when, when we cut the skin of us all, it's gonna be bleed the same color. And we're all made in this image and it's Yes, yes, so it's kind of funny, you know, that they were looking at Paul and, and I was gonna say that it is said that Paul wasn't, you know, the best looking guy. So I would imagine in my mind that some of these people were probably saying, and you ugly. Yeah, you trying to come up here, <laughs> you know, you short and you ugly. You got eye problems. Look, you got eye problems. You got a big nose, you know, and you trying to talk to us. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. If you would mind, if you wouldn't mind, I want to digress for a minute. When it says that they gnashed on him with their teeth, when Stephen, who was crowned, that means God had given him the power. God select elected him and God provided him the spirit of God to control. When it says being full, that word full means that he was controlled by the Holy Ghost. This is why he was able to say what he said. And so when he, when they gnashed on him, it tells us as exegetically that it meant that they were convicted, but not convinced. So the word that he spoke, the power that God spoke through him of the word, uh, telling him, telling them who they were and how bad they were, though it convicted them, it made them grit their teeth because they didn't know what to say. They knew it was true, but they don't want to be convinced of it. So all they could do is grit their teeth. And if you think about it, it made me think about myself. You know, when people have said things to me in the past, like growing up, my mom say, well, you know, I told you not to do such and you did it. I mean, what could I do but grit my teeth? Because it was the truth. Yeah, I couldn't read. Exactly. So they could not refute it. And the reason they could not refute it is because he was full. He was controlled 
by the Holy Ghost. He was controlled with it and he spoke. And when God sends his word out, what did he tell us? It shall not return void. It will chastise. It will rebuke. It will reprove. It will cut down. It will shake out. It will root up. And then it will also save you. But these people didn't want to be saved. That's why they were convicted, but they weren't convinced because they didn't want to hear it. Yes, in that passage, it does mean that as well in chapter two, when it says the Holy Ghost fell upon them and they began to speak in other tongues. So when you see that word field, the spirit, the spirit of God is controlling them. In other words, the Holy Ghost, the power of God is the head of what's happening with them at the moment. So you'll see where some scriptures say they were filled. That's letting you know that God is the one that's doing everything through them. Not that he's not the one doing it, you know, before. And so also it, it denotes also that when you are saved with the Holy Ghost, the being filled is a continuous thing. It's, it's a time, uh, it's, a, it's a point where you are filled with the Holy Ghost, but you are not being in control with it at a certain point in time. It doesn't mean that you're not doing something God doesn't want you to do. But when God has anointed you to do something, then he fills you with the spirit to do it. This is why it's important to understand. I remember I was talking to my dad one time and I said, well, pray that the Lord will anoint me. And he said, what you need to understand is God has already anointed you. He doesn't need to keep on anointing you. What he does is he fills you to complete what he's anointed you to do. That's powerful. Holy Ghost is that, that filling 
controlling, just like uh, the potter has control over the clay. The clay is not shaping itself, but the potter is in complete control of the clay. Definitely so. And it's just like when he told uh, Joshua and Jeremiah, he said, they, they said to him and even Moses, you know, we are inept people. We don't have the talent and the ability to go out here and talk on the level of, you know, in Moses's case, we don't have, I don't have that ability to talk to Pharaoh like that. He's, you know, he's the ruler. He's, he's supreme and, and he's got all the knowledge and everything. But what did God tell them? He, all three of them, he said, listen, open your mouth. I will speak boldly through you. I will speak boldly through you. And so that's a type of the feeling, even though the Holy Ghost wasn't given back at that time, when God told them, I will speak boldly through you, he told Jeremiah, I'm going to touch your lips. You know, what he was showing us symbolically is the power of the Holy Ghost that when Jesus would come in the New Testament and show us what the filling of the Holy Ghost meant on the day of Pentecost when it came in the upper room, which technically was the second day of Pentecost because the first day of Pentecost was the resurrection. God gave us symbolic information in the Old Testament that the Holy Ghost that would come, the comforter, it would reach way back and explain how it is that most Moses, Joshua, and Jeremiah, and all the rest of the prophets were controlled to speak what God gave them to speak and to write it. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. Amen. Yes. I mean, being controlled of the Holy Ghost is something, you know, because to be, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, then you can't be filled over and over, which means you're not being controlled. But when you have the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that you, it will teach you all things. It will, yes, it will lead and guide you. It will give you the power. That's why he said in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, he said, I'm the one that works the will in you to do and to will of my good pleasure. And so what we see are examples of that from the beginning with uh, Abraham, well, actually Noah, all the way to the end with John on the Isle of Patmos, you know? So it's something to be filled with the spirit. It really is. That's why, listen, that's why was it the, uh, who was that, uh, forget his name. Oh Lord Jesus, his name escapes me. I think it's in the book of Acts, the 16th chapter where uh, he wanted to buy what Paul, the power that the apostles had. Huh? Yes, Simon. I knew it was an S. Simon the sorcerer. He was like, look, let me let me get some of that power you got. (laughs) 
he thought he could buy into that power. And Paul was like, dude, are you crazy? You can't buy this. This is something that comes straight from God. I ain't got no silver and gold. Ain't gonna ain't gonna buy this power. Get thee behind me, huh? He upbraided him. He said, your That's a that's a that's a very deep. Uh, all the scriptures are deep, by the way. But this passage here is something that uh, I studied with my dad. We had it in Sunday school one day, and I'm not going to go into all of that exegetical part of it. But you can if you want to. I miss him. He was a very, very, very profound evangelist, and good teacher. Yeah, God blessed him. God blessed him definitely. He studied like 12 hours a day, even up until, you know, he was unable to study just before his death. He studied eight to 12 hours, literally. And so um, when, you know, when you come to this passage, it's so big. I'll just say this in a nutshell uh, to, to, to just save time. And that is this. There are people that will be convicted and not convinced. And there will be. So when he says rebuke, that means without conviction. That that word in the Greek is epitimio, E-P-I-T-I-M-A-O. In other words, there are people that will be rebuked without conviction. And there, when he says reprove, they will be convicted and convinced. It's a terrible thing to be convicted and not convinced. That's right. That's exactly right. And so that rebuke says uh, that the conviction is hopefully going to convey uh, some some type of conversion, but unfortunately, it a lot of times does not. This is why it's important for us to understand the Bible said, don't try to judge people because you don't know what God is doing with them, right? I don't know who's really saved and who's not. I can't tell by tongues because the Bible says you'll know them by the fruit. 
And tongues is not a fruit. Tongues is a language. And so the only way you're going to know them is by the fruit they bear. And that takes time. That's a process. That's a lifestyle. Present your body a living sacrifice. And so he said, let the weed and tear grow together because you got a lot of people in the church that's convicted, but they're not convinced of who I am. They believe in Jesus, but they don't believe on him. And then some believe on him, but don't believe in him. And so what did he tell them in the second chapter? I believe it's the second chapter of St. John at the end. He told he told those Jews that kept talking about, well, we believe what you say. Jesus says in, 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 in St. John 2 and uh, actually let me read 2, 23 to 24. It says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name you see that they believed in that word i in they believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did but look at verse 24 it says but jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men what is he saying verse number 25 and needed not that any should testify a man for he knew what was in man what he's saying is they acknowledge me intellectually but they don't receive me in their heart so it's not what cometh it's not what goeth into the man that goes out into the drought that ain't gonna hurt the man it's what comes out of him so though you confess with your mouth that y'all believe in me, your heart is far from me. Therefore, you are convicted, but you're not convinced. So I'm not going to commit myself to you because you're not wholeheartedly in to me. Yes. No. Right. Then it's hard for them to believe that they 
Yes. Yes. God prepares you, you're able to take it. And you he went out calling on the name of the Lord. That's how much he loved God. He was crowned for righteousness. And so he did not look at his life from earth up. He looked at his life from heaven down. And that's why I love that scripture in Hebrews that said the, the prophets of old, they were persuaded that what God had promised them, it would surely come. And he says in uh, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, that Abraham not having uh, seen, Abraham having seen the promise afar off, he, he embraced it. He was persuaded, which means he embraced, he was convicted and he was convinced that the promise of Christ would come. He saw, he looked to the cross and the resurrection, we look back at it. So though Jesus didn't come in Abraham's time, he believed him. Stephen looked back at the cross and he saw something about the glory of God. He understood that the crowning of him meant the being crowned for glory. He had his ticket to heaven when he got here. (laughs) He was, look, he was signed, sealed and delivered up to God. Uh-huh. 
into this body and enter the presence of the Lord. We have such great promises. We, the Bible says we have exceeding great and precious Yes. 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 Amen. Amen. Well, again, you know, what a blessing to know that we are saved by grace, that we have obtained mercy, as Paul told Timothy. We have obtained it by grace. What is grace? It is the favor of God that he would send his son to become the righteousness of God, which means that he would fulfill everything that his law said. Jesus would be the only one and is the only one that kept the law. And he came, died on the cross, took us who we were in Adam, took us with him to the grave and brought us back up with him with all power in his hand in the resurrection and said, now you have new life. And so we thank God for the incarnation and we thank him for bringing the the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Moses brought the law, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So thank you again, Evangelist Valerie. I certainly enjoyed our discussion and I hope that each and every one of you listening have been blessed by what has been said. And we're gonna now go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we certainly thank you for this word we have feasted on. We thank you, God, that we were able to sup with you, not only for this hour, not only for this time, but 24 seven. Oh God, you have put your word in us, precept upon precept, line upon line. And you told us to meditate on it both day and night, that we might be like trees planted by the rivers of water, no matter how hard and how fast and how high the rivers flow, the water may become. God, we shall not be moved because the word of God is a lamp unto our path. The word of God is our instruction. It is our strength. It is our guide. It is our keeper. The word of God is our nourishment. The word of God is you. Hallelujah. You are God and you are God all by yourself and you are keeping us, oh God. You said we're kept by the word of God. We're kept by the power. And you said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And tonight we believe, oh God, that your word has gone forth out of our mouths. And we pray that you will be forever glorified in the ears of those who are listening. And oh God, that you will be glorified in the eyes of those that see and in the hearts of those you open to receive. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor. And we ask, oh God, that you remember before we close this out, we want to pray for this entire world. We pray for the government. We pray for the president. We pray, oh God, from the White House all the way down to the Black House, oh God, no matter what color the house is, we pray for all people because all of us are standing in the need of prayer. And God, we pray right now that if it be thy will that you would remove COVID, oh God, that you will have mercy upon us and that you will heal the land, oh God. If we we pray, oh God, that you would help us. If you don't send healing right now, God, that you would 
help us to bear it until such time as you have, hallelujah, ordained deliverance. And we pray, oh God, for the presidency. We pray, God, that your will would be done. Save the unsaved, oh God, the criminal, those who are right now trying to put together a plan to hurt and to harm. We, God, ask you that you would stay the hand of the wickedness they are determined to commit. We ask, oh God, that you would have mercy right now. Save the criminal. Save, oh God, the unsaved. Heal, oh God, the sick. Oh God, comfort the hearts of those who are in hospice and those who are in hospitals, those who are in rehabs. Oh God, sit, heal right now. Heal their souls, oh God, of the sin. Heal their bodies of the sickness. Lord, we need you, God, right now. And we believe you, oh God, to do exactly what you promised to do. And that was come to seek and to save. Hallelujah. Satan came to kill and to destroy. God, but you came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And we thank you now for this program. We pray continued blessings upon Evangelist Valerie and her husband and to every listener on every program. Be praised, be glorified and lifted up. In Jesus' name we say, amen. And thank you for all our listeners. Join us again on next week. Um, we are going to be in another powerful lesson. And again, word of blame, um, listeners, we thank you. So uh, God bless you and look for another um, lesson to come out before the week ends. God bless you, Pastor Nikki. God bless you. Thank you so much. Join us again, I hope. Yes, ma'am. Anytime. Thank you. All Anytime. Right.